Amen. It's awesome. It's great being here. Let's do that again. Let's do it for Jesus. Come on. Come on. God, you're awesome. We love you with all of our hearts. I love having a pastor who loves Jesus. It's very cool. Yeah, great stuff. Anybody notice that, that uh, the thing on this is you've got to get the cracker out first? <laughs> because if you don't, you got like the juice open, and then you're looking at the cracker going, how am I going to navigate this? Anyway, just a little thing for those who are new. Hey, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, got a scripture for us this morning. It's great being here. I want to go right into this. I want to say it out loud and together. Uh, in the last days, see that verse 17, chapter 2 of the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. It says, in the last days. Everybody say it out loud and together. You ready? In the last days, God says, hang on, hang on. Who said it? Okay, God said it. And he gave us a period of time. When? In the last days, God says, all right, in the last days, God says, all right, go. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. There's a lot of people freaked out. CNN's freaked out. Fox is freaked out. Everybody's freaked out over everything that's going on in the earth, right? 24-7 news cycle just kind of just churns everything up. And every time I turn around, it's like the sky is falling sort of moment. You know, like it's the most divisive America has ever been. And I'm like, you know, however, there was the Civil War. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like getting news clicks. They're just trying to get news clicks for the click the next thing. And here's what God said, and this is who I'm going with. Can I get an amen from somebody? The more you respond, the faster I get done. Everybody goes, amen. In the last days, God says, who said it? God. In the last days, I will do what? Come on, somebody. See, where people are freaked out. If you, there's a website called Geneva.something.something. It's one of those worldwide web things. And uh, it talks about all the conflicts going on around the world. There's over 100 armed conflicts on the face of the earth right now. Over 100. They said over 6,000 years of recorded history that they have, there's only been 270 years where there wasn't an armed conflict. So there's always stuff. Just turn somebody around and you go, there's always stuff. There's always stuff. But then God said, I will do what? Pour out my spirit on who? Now, we live in Texas. Maybe not be from Texas. But we live in Texas, and the way we say it in Texas is, all y'all, all y'all, I will pour out my spirit on who? All Come on, let me hear it. I will pour out my spirit on? God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit, and that, my friends, is why I live in a constant state of hope, because I know the best is still ahead of us. I believe the future of the church of Jesus Christ, the future, it may be, we may go through, go through some dark things. That's happening in northern Nigeria, southern Yemen. You go right on down the line, whether it's Gaza or Ukraine or somewhere else, people are going through difficult times. So difficult times happen. But God said, in the middle of that, I will do what? I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. In other words, that very first scripture that you shared, Pastor Lane, about he's generous. When he says, I'll pour out my spirit, it's not like, hey, here's a little bit, and I'll see how you guys do with it. Because yeah. that's the way I would do it. 
right? Here, I'll give you a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, you messed up. Sorry. You don't get any more. Right? Wouldn't that, I mean, come on. Wouldn't that be how, so we humanize God, but he says, I'm generous, which means there's another word that's used in the, in the second covenant, the New Testament. It says, he lavishes his love on us. That's like, that's, that's like, that's basically like having a new little baby. That, that sense of whatever, right? What, I mean, I remember uh, having my first grandchild. And it was like little Reese, Jacqueline Reese. And I'm holding her. And I'm like, darling, whatever you need or want in your life, you have it. Yeah. Now that changed. You know, it's like... <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to get real. But, but the fact is that lavish thing, that thing of uh, I love you generously is what God, our Father, feels towards you right now. Everything you need. He said, in the last days I will do what? Pour out, Pour out my spirit. Pouring out is that, it's like, it's like there's, it's just poured and it just doesn't end. When he gives his love when he exudes his love, he doesn't lose love. He doesn't give power and, and then have to like go hang out for a little while to kind of store it back up. You know, it's not like he plugs in like a battery thing. It's like he, he, is, he is fullness in and of himself. And when he gives something, he loses. So when he gives us his love, he doesn't lose anything. So his generosity is never ending. And then it says your sons and daughters will do what? Prophesy. Now, that's not the gift of prophecy where somebody would, would speak uh, into something, uh, maybe foretelling something or speaking a word in somebody's life. It, it basically means to speak life. He says, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll speak life. I believe the next generation is going to speak life into our culture. I believe the best days for America are ahead. doesn't mean we won't go through some difficult times. I mean, I, I'm old enough. I've been around for the Vietnam War and, and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty difficult. And there's been some other tough times, right? But look, at, but look at what's happening right now across America. Think about what happened in college campuses over the last 18 months where tens of thousands of young men and women gathered in prayer meetings. Just spontaneous times of prayer, right? I mean, God's doing something and he's giving generously. So our response is to receive. And then it says, and uh, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. I think this is really cool because this is like uh, young men will see. So when you think of a young man, what do you think of? Do you think of a visionary or a dreamer? Help me out. What do you, what do you think of? You think of a dreamer. Yeah. yeah, you know, this young guy is just a dreamer. He's just, he's just dreaming about stuff. You know, but it says there'll be visionaries, old men will dream dreams. And basically what the, what the Bible is saying, what God says is when I pour out my spirit... And you begin to speak life, there will be young men and women who will be visionaries. They'll build stuff. And then older people, more mature we like to say, uh, age-wise, uh, older men and women will, dream, will have new dreams. Can I get an amen? New dreams. Exciting. I'm fired up. I believe hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Turn to someone next to you and say, hope's name is Jesus. Jesus. So I'm, I'm excited about being here today and what the Lord's going to do. And uh, great to be with uh, Lane. Becca heard I was going to speak. She took off. 
So that's all right. And uh, we love Pastor Walt and Joanne, who, if you've never met, uh, senior pastors over the Life Church. And uh, so, uh, and Lane, you've just done a fantastic job. It's, it's awesome. Just great spirit in the house. Let's pray over this. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this music team that shared your love with us. Thank you for the word that Pastor Lane had this time of communion and the Lord's Supper. And what a promise we have and what great hope we live in today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So that's my thing. That's why we do a ministry called Christian Men's Network and we have resources and materials. I actually got some with me. And the goal is to raise up fathers who love their kids. And to do that, we're in about 120 countries. and have a mentoring project that we do. There's about 900,000 men every month going through those materials. Fired up. Yeah? And you've done that here at Life Church Arlington, and uh, so it's exciting uh, to see what the Lord is doing in, in the hearts of men. I'll tell you a couple stories of what's going on, but I want to direct our attention to a couple other uh, scriptures. You know, the, the, the whole deal about, uh, you know, prophesying and speaking life is, is uh, and living life in Christ and the joy. Like, I, I love Pastor Lang because he's just got, there's this like inner thing that comes out like, is this awesome or what? Right? You ever pick that up? Like, like, dude, this is awesome. Like, here we are. And uh, it's cold. It's freezing. And people go, oh, man, the weather. And I'm like, have you lived here for a few years? This happens every year. This happens every year. And then in the summer, everybody's like, dude, it is so hot. I don't know. Happens every year. Right? It's like 105. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Happens every year. So, so my deal is that the beauty of following Christ is this, is uh, the Garden of Eden, the whole Garden of Eden thing, right? Whether it's metaphorical, whatever you want to do theologically on the whole thing. The fact is, it says that, that God, because I was just reading this the other day, God put Adam in the garden, planted him, and he, he said, here, tend the garden. He didn't tell him where to plant trees. He didn't tell him where to put stuff. He didn't tell him, hey, this would be cool over here, do this. He didn't put... A bunch of rules and regulations on him. You know what God did with Adam? He says, hey, listen, do, just be creative. Do life. Do stuff. And then every evening, we're just going to hang out and walk together. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's really how he expected us to live life. Not under a bunch of rules and regulations. How many used to go to that church? <laughs> you know, not a bunch of laws. But maybe it's all about relationship in that as you're walking, you're going, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's relationship. And so out of that love comes the desire to do the right thing, to be the right person, to love God, to honor him, to love other people, to give generously. You know, I mean, that whole thing to me, what a joy to follow Jesus Christ and just be able to be creative. And uh, so I'm fired up about this. This, is, uh, this word today basically is hope is alive. So you can write that down. Uh, all of those joining by online right now, God bless you guys. Uh, and, if, and if you know somebody who's not here, uh, just text them and say, dude, you're missing the best service we've ever had. Just a little FOMO goes a long way. And, uh, so turn to uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, or we can throw it on the screen for you. I, uh, 
I love this verse because it's, it's basically a verse that, that talks about how God thinks about us. You know, when Jesus said to pray, and he told his disciples to pray, it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is to add laborers for the harvest. But, but he said, uh, pray this way, our Father, right? Our Father who art in heaven. And, and basically what Jesus did is, is start that prayer and teach us to pray in a very personal way. He's our Father. He's not, he didn't say pray this way, oh great sovereign one, oh great omnipotent, oh great creator that, you know, he said pray our, what? Father. Our Father. Why? Because Father was the highest picture, allegorical metaphor that he could give to us to portray who God is for you and me. He loves us with a passion. He's a father with a little child. You ever see, ever see anybody uh, ever have kids that played soccer? Or, or you played soccer and your folks were there? Or, or uh, like for, and I'm with my uh, son-in-law, spent a while ago, and, uh, and he's watching his, his daughter out there. And you know, the little kids when they're five and they're playing soccer, it's like two little clumps. And then the clumps kind of come together and there's a ball in the middle. And they just kind of clump together and run around. And then pretty soon you know, a couple fall down and somebody gets hurt. And then the ball goes towards the goal. And, uh, it, but he's watching his daughter Dylan. And Dylan, he's going like, Dylan's really good, man. I'm like, she's in a clump. Like, I'm, I'm Papa. So I'm like, yeah, I'm agreeing. But at the same time, I'm looking. It's a clump. Just a clump, moving around. And he goes, yeah, 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 look at it. She's got natural instinct. <laughs> to clump? What's that? Instinctive clumping? I don't know. But you, you see what I'm saying? That whole father thing where, where he's looking, he's going, she's awesome. And that's what your father is saying over you. That's what God the Father is saying over you. And not just today, like every day. Like, pff, awesome. Totally awesome. Look at that. Ephesians 2.10, right? You're my masterpiece. In other words, you're, the, you're a one of one. You're the only one of you ever to exist. Ever will exist. God did that. Loves you. For you. I just love that. I love walking in that. I love walking in hope. Jeremiah 29.11. Now, uh, if that frames for us who God the Father is, he says, here's my thoughts for you. He says, my thoughts for you, uh, says the Lord, uh, says, the thoughts I have towards you are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's, how, that's what he's thinking. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to a bunch of people who are in slavery. He's talking to Jewish people, Israelis, who are in Babylon, 1,700 miles away, been taken captive. Uh, this is called the Great Exile, in Babylonian exile, and they've They've been taken captive and they're living there. And he says to those people in the middle of the worst, I mean, if you want to talk about a bad moment, they're living in the middle of that. And he says, hey, but here's the thoughts I have for you. Not for evil, not for destruction, but to give you a future and a hope. And I believe that's what God the Father is saying over you right now, today, here in this place. Here's my thoughts for you. You know, you think, you know, you, we get all these thoughts, all this negativity, all this stuff that comes in from culture. Eh, I don't know, this is going to happen. I don't know, this is, you know, it's the worst thing. And then, <laughs> and then there's a commentator. And the commentator says, oh, yeah, never seen, you know. And so now you're like, uh-oh, 
I better watch this. So it's, a, it's the news click thing. And so uh, there's this negativity all around us. 86,000 impressions a day that are negative, right? And if we're not careful, it just becomes part of our self-talk. It becomes part of what we speak over our own lives. And that's why in Acts 2.17 it says sons and daughters will prophesy. And that means to speak life. Don't give in to negativity. And then God says, here's the thoughts I have for you. Let's go to another scripture, uh, Romans 15.13. Romans 15.13. says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of what? Of what? Hope fill you with what? Joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How's that? How do we abound in hope? Just because we, we went to the like, self-help section? Barnes and Noble? Self-help. It's, it's, it's hilarious because you got to keep writing new books because the last one didn't work. But there's one book that does work. Come on, somebody. Right? Amen? May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace so that you may abound in hope. Hope. Now, let me go back into Jeremiah 29. If you've got a Bible or, or hit your phone open to Jeremiah 29. And let me read some of the first part of that. All right? Here's what it says. It says, May the God of hosts, the Lord of Israel, this is verse 4. This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles. Who's that? All the people have been taken captive. They're in Babylon. All right? Things aren't good. And he says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, take wives, have sons and daughters, bear sons and daughters. He says, multiply there, do not decrease. Where? In the bad spot, in the bad times, in the middle of what you think is the most negative thing that's ever happened to you. He says, multiply there. And then he says, seek the welfare of the city I've deported you to. Uh, Pray to the Lord on, on its behalf, for when it, when it has prosperity, you will prosper. Here's the thing. When Christians prosper, the culture prospers. Right? When we find that place where we're speaking life over culture and over our job and over our business and over the street we live on and over the apartment complex we live in, and when we begin to speak life, things begin to happen and prosperity happens out of the Spirit of God. When we speak that, we speak life. And we have to speak life over ourselves. And he said, he didn't say, because sometimes we think, oh, if I just go to this different place, if I can just go there, if I can just go do that, then, then everything will be okay. If I could just get out of this place, if I could just be somewhere else. And, and, we, we, and God said, where you're at, multiply. Come on, somebody, speak life. Multiply where you're at. Because when you prosper, the culture will prosper. So when the followers of Christ begin to speak life over culture, the culture will begin to change. That's us. We're the ones that bring life through the power and the hope of the Holy Spirit into culture. Let me give you a couple uh, stories of people's lives changing that have happened to us in uh, the ministry of Christian Men's Network around the world. Because I, I love this whole thing. It's like... Uh, don't back off. Don't give in to negativity. You may be in a negative place, but go ahead and plant yourself there and multiply and prosper. That's the word of the Lord. And Acts 2.17 says, and I'll pour out my spirit. Amen, Paul. It's good stuff. Thank you. All right, let me give you a story. Uh, we did this 
I was supposed to be, uh, remember the COVID thing? Remember the shutdown? Remember the six feet? Which now they go, I don't know, they don't know where six feet came from? <laughs> right? In Congress the other day, where did six feet come from? Well, we're not sure. So, uh, so there's all this stuff, right, that happened to us. And uh, so we were supposed to go back to uh, Vietnam. I'd been in Vietnam three or four times. And we'd done uh, some men's events and, and teaching, training pastors how to, how to uh, minister and, and help mentor men. And, and so we're supposed to go back, and, and we couldn't get there. Because now this is, I'd been there in February of 2020. Now then the March thing happened, and now it's supposed to be there in September. So we took a, a warehouse and made it into a studio. Got some cameras, uh, got some gear, all this stuff. And then we did a live three-day broadcast to those uh, pastors there in um, Vietnam. We weren't sure how many people would watch. It was like, I, I don't know. We didn't know. And so we decided to do it. Let me show those uh, photos uh, right now. And so this is the Phong Lai uh, kind of thing. Oh, hey, there's my family. That's the first one. Hey, hang on, go back, go back, back. This is, this, these, these guys are awesome. There's my beautiful wife back in there. And in the middle is my daughter, Lindsay. And then a uh, bunch of grandkids, Brandon and Meredith, friends of Lane and Becca's. They passed her over in Fort Worth. My son, uh, Bryce, there on the left, he's single. Hey, man, come on. And then uh, son-in-law, and then the old guy in the middle, that's me, and then my beautiful wife. So that's my kids and family, and they all send their greetings. All right, next one, here we go. So we, we go into the studio and go live. That's, in fact, that's Pastor Walt right there. And we're doing this live side-by-side -side translation and teaching. Go to the next one. So we don't know if anybody's watching. I said, if, if you're watching, send us photos. And we start getting these photos. And this is like a photo of a bunch of guys. Uh, that, that was a bunch of, of pastors and young pastors watching. And look at He's got Bibles and books and stuff to write with. Go to the next one. And uh, here's another place that they're watching. It began, it just, it stunned us. I'm like, whoa, this is, we're on to something. Go to the next one. And then, uh, okay, so this guy, uh, these guys are in a cafe. It's an actual photo from September of 2020. And that guy, uh, second one in, see him? His name is Fong Lei. And he's there with a couple friends. Fong Lei had been a uh, big, big drug dealer in Da Nang. Had done really well until he got busted and then he went to prison. And so uh, in prison, he meets Christ as Lord and Savior through, the, uh, through a friend. And he comes out and one of the first things he did is he sits in that cafe and watches our broadcast. And it just begins to stir something in him. What it is to be a man of God. What it is to be Christ-like. What it is to follow Christ uh, with, with, you know, the fullness of his masculinity. And uh, go to the next one. So he begins to, so he gets a bunch of our books and materials. And uh, he starts taking a bunch of his friends through this. Well, friends, former clients. <laughs> Put it that way. And starts taking them through all the materials. Look at these guys. And they start going through, and they're training and teaching, and go to the next one. And uh, here's one of their group meetups. This is in Da Nang, uh, Vietnam. And so, as it turned out, we had over 2,000 pastors that were part of that broadcast, and stuff just started happening out of it. And so uh, go to the next one. And uh, so now there we are. This is my friend Joe Onasai, the upper right. Uh, he's from uh, Hawaii. He's a Samoan chief. And then uh, my friend Roy from Indonesia and Chris from Indonesia. And then we're praying over uh, Fong Le. And uh, praying over him to be uh, like a 
brand ambassador, if you will, you know, to be able to talk to different churches and pastors and leaders about discipling men. When you change the heart of a man, you touch the soul of a nation. I mean, when men change, everything changes. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Amen? And so go to the next one. So uh, this is his whole first group of men that went through two years of discipleship. So this is, we just did this uh, a few months ago. This is in August. So this would be two years after that, three years after that broadcast. And uh, so all these guys have gone through all the materials. Isn't that fantastic? So uh, the Lord's doing stuff in people's lives. And now here's Fong Lei that people would have said about him. Here's a guy who has no future, no hope. Nothing good's ever going to happen in his life. He's always going to be a mess up. He was fatherless, street kid, all these different things. And look at that. Now, married, got two little kids, got a little baby, just had a baby, he and his wife. Got two little children. They're in Da Nang and uh, sharing his faith, working part-time, pastoring part-time. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, that's what God's doing all over the world. I uh, ran into a guy in Brazil in, uh, I was there in uh, September. And I ran into a, a man, and I'm talking to him, and, and uh, his name's uh, Samuel. And, and I said, uh, tell me your story. And he said, he said, a number of years ago, my wife and I were split up. He said, in fact, we were divorced. He said, then a friend invited me to this men's group at a church, like a Wednesday night thing. So, so I went to it. I said, ah, whatever, you know, let's go to that. So I was kind of down. Goes to it, begins to go through maximized manhood, strong men at tough times, some other things. Begins to study. He said, God began to change my heart. He says, I began to realize that most of the issues that I had been a part of and that happened around my marriage uh, were, were maybe not her fault. Maybe it was me. <laughs> right? Anybody? Have you ever feel like, uh, let me put it, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do personal. I won't put this on you. <laughs> Every, every bad decision that's ever been made in my life, there's one constant. I was there. Anybody, ever, anybody feel like that? Like, yeah. And we always try to put it off on other people. And, he would, and, and one of the things you learn about being a man of God is you accept personal responsibility. So Samuel began to do that. So I accept responsibility for my life. Begin to pray, receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Begin to follow Jesus Christ. Begin to live a righteous life. Uh, he and his wife, ex-wife, ran into each other at an event, began to talk, and uh, within a year they were remarried. And now he leads like eight or nine men's groups around that city of Curitiba, uh, Brazil. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I get fired. Isn't that awesome? Yes. I get fired up over that stuff because that's what Christ does in people's lives. And we've got uh, nine or ten books that my dad wrote and some others that I've written and other things. Uh, and, and so we use that to help mentor men, see lives changed, marriages restored, families resurrected. Come on, somebody. I get fired up because every time I think about what happens in a men's group is I think uh, I was in Mongolia about in Ulaanbaatar a few years ago. And I took a photo of a man with his daughter. She was coming out of the children's area. And he had just been part of an event there and turned around and had his little girl and had a, one of our books in his hands. And I thought, there's a, there's a little girl who has a new dad, right? And every time I think about what we do, I think about that little girl, that little boy that has a new dad and the dad who will stay. Come on, somebody, yeah. right? Fatherlessness is the, is, the, is the number one issue in America. And it's the leading indicator of poverty in every culture of the world. And so that's what we're fighting. And the enemy's trying to tear down the family, tear down men, tear down women, right? Yeah. 
And, and Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But I came to give you life, and life more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'll tell you one more story. Show that uh, boat, the ship. We got, oh, the hope effect. That's our deal, right? I'm doing the thing. I'm doing your deal. This is great. I'm right on target. Okay, so this is, uh, this is a ship called USS San Pedro. And USS San Pedro was in the Battle of Lady Gulf, October of 1944, the largest naval battle in world history. Over 300 ships, over 200,000 uh, men involved. And it was the Imperial Japanese Navy coming against the Allied navies, mostly American and British, Australian. And so uh, they're in this huge battle. The second day of that battle, on a, on a uh, Wednesday, the kamikazes uh, were unleashed. That first day, over 3,000 men died uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 ships sunk. This is on a Thursday on that ship, right on that foredeck. There's a young sailor standing there, and that young sailor just looks up, and a kamikaze's coming straight at his ship, the USS San Pedro. It's October 24th, uh, 1944. And he looks up, and he sees this kamikaze, and he screams out and says, God, God, if you'll save my life, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And right then, that kamikaze just landed right in front of the ship, and then it went under it, just hit the water, didn't hit it. And, and three months later, that sailor landed in San Diego, California, and promptly forgot that prayer. It's like, I'll do anything. I'll serve you. Oh, okay, I'm good. And uh, three years later, 1948, he's uh, working construction. He's on a job site in Oceanside, California. And a man named Ralph, Ralph Calkins, a man named Ralph, said to, uh, said to him on a Friday, he says, why don't you come to church with me Sunday night? The young man says, ah, you know, I went to church when I was a kid. I kind of left when I was 13. I don't know. And he says, no, no, no. Go with me. Go Sunday, Sunday night. And so uh, that young man went with Ralph to uh, church on Sunday night and uh, radically became a follower of Jesus Christ, recommitted his life to Christ that night. And 34 years later, at a hotel room in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he wrote a book called Maximize Manhood. And it was my father. And uh, my dad was that sailor. Totally changed his life. Why? Because a guy named Ralph, on a Friday afternoon at work, said, hey, why don't you go to church with me? And now the books my dad wrote have been read by over 30 million men. Isn't that something? Yeah. Think about it. Just a guy named Ralph. I mean, I met him when I was a kid. Was, uh, we called him Uncle Ralph, Ralph Calkins. And uh, it's a guy named Ralph. He goes, hey, why don't you go to church with me Sunday night? Think about that. Just, that's, that's how you speak life. You speak life by loving others. Hey, why don't you come with me Wednesday night? Hey, why, why don't you come Sunday morning? You know, and inviting somebody is different than bringing somebody. Inviting somebody is like, hey, you want to go to church with me Sunday? No? Okay, I didn't think so. Okay. But bringing somebody is more like, hey, pull up in front of your place, 10 a.m. next Sunday. Boom, honk, you come out. 10.30 service. We're out of here by noon. I'll buy lunch. That's how you bring somebody. Can you get an amen? amen? That's how he brings it. Yeah, pastor says amen. Pastor says amen. And that's what the Lord wants to do for you and I because, and I want to bring us back to, to this whole concept of he's our father. And we can get the music team up or whatever. You guys, is that how we close, right? Okay. Like a church thing. 
So we did, and having the music team up makes everybody think I'm Indian, even though we got another half hour. But, but the, the thing is, is that Paul said this. He said this in the, in the letter to the church at Corinth. He said, and he's, trying, he's basically describing his love for the people. And he says, you know, uh, he said, uh, you've got 10,000 instructors, but you have very few fathers. He said, I love you like a father. See, the, the, the principle there is that an instructor gives you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. An instructor will give you the knowledge, but a father gives you his heart. So our Father in heaven loves us like a father. It's not about rules and regulations and knowledge and, and you know, it's, it's about relationship. And he loves us with a passion. And he said, wherever you're at, multiply. Wherever you're at, plant yourself. Don't go look for something else. Don't try to find another thing. You know, it's that whole deal about, uh, you know, if you find the perfect church, the moment you join it, it no longer is. Right? Wherever you are there, wherever you arrive, there you are. And uh, 1 Timothy 1.7 says, says this. It says that, says, for you don't have the spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit, look at that, for not, God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and sound mind. Another uh, translation says timidity. Everybody stand up with me right now. It says he hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, fear. And uh, I mentioned I've got some materials. Uh, hey, Ohio State, grab that for me. That's all right. Just hold them up. Okay. Hold up the one with the old guy on it. On the right? Okay. So in the right hand is a journal. So that's a journal. So I've got some back there. Like, or out in the deal there. Like and then this is a six-week devotion to maximize life. Those are great. You can have those. Those are yours. Okay. But I've got some out there, and, and uh, somebody will do something to take care of that. So... You know, I can, maybe when I'm talking, maybe I'm talking 150 words a minute, something like that. And when you read, you read around 200 words a minute on average. But self-talk, this, this thing where you're talking to yourself, you know, that whole deal, with, you know, uh, it's about 500 words a minute. And if we're not careful, what gets in here is negative. Because we, we start picking up this context and this stuff. The Spirit of God would say to us this morning, my thoughts for you are not for negative talk. My thoughts for you to give you a future and a hope. And your mind and your thoughts would, would, be, would sense that God loves me with a passion. He's my Father. He gives me his heart, not just knowledge, his heart. Now I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray, and I, I actually want to speak life over the negative stuff the enemy's been telling you. That you're not good enough, that you don't measure up, that things aren't going to work out. You know, your first marriage failed, this one's not going to work. Whatever the stuff is, you know, you'll never get a better job. You know, you can just go on and on and on and on with all the stuff the enemy puts on us. My time's up, this day, if I went to another place, no, no, no. 
where you are right now, the Spirit of God would say to you, this is your garden. This is your place. Plant. Walk with me. Multiply. Live. Become prosperous in your spirit. I want to pray life over you. I want to speak life over every single person here. Because the enemy has been trying to kick your butt. And, and, And when the Bible says that Jesus said, when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I, I believe my, my take on it, just me, is it steal, kill, and destroy. It's not about like taking out your car's tires or something. You know, it's not like, you know, sometimes, sometimes a nail in your tire is just a nail. It's not like God trying to teach you something or the enemy, ah, the enemy get in there. No, it's it's probably just a nail, you know? But I believe that steal, kill, and destroy is the dreams that you had in your heart. I believe it's the, it's the desire you have to build a business. I believe it's the, it's the dream you have to have a family that loves God. I believe it's the things you prayed over your life at, the, at, those, at those most beautiful moments where you were fully engaged with, with the thoughts of God over you and you prayed and you go, God, this could be awesome. And then life happened and then pretty soon you're like, Bam, man, this thing, I don't know. So I don't know. But God knows. God, God said, my thoughts over you give you hope and a future. I want to pray life over you this morning. Everybody bow your head and receive this word. Father, I speak life and I speak against and I rebuke the negative words of the enemy that would take the dream from my sister. That would take that dream that she had for so many years and now she's sort of, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Father, I pray for resurrection life right now here today. Pray with me, you guys. Pray with me. Father, I pray over yourself. I mean, put your hand on your chest, whatever. Put your hands up, however you want to express it. Just pray over yourself. Father, I receive life. Your word says in the last days you will pour out your spirit on all flesh, and that's me. And I want your spirit poured out over my life. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better woman. I want to be a good person. I want to live in strength. I want to rise up every day saying, yeah, this is the day the Lord has made. I want to have that thing in me, that spirit of joy and strength and resurrection. I want my dreams to come to pass. Father, those things you created for me, those things you created in my life, those things you desire for me to live in, I want to live in that. I don't want to live a small life. I don't want to live an insignificant life. I don't want to be just a blip in history. I want to leave footprints. Father, I want those people coming behind me to say, thank God that she lived. Thank God that she was my grandmother. Thank God that he was a a man of God. Thank God he started a business that we all worked in. Thank God. Father, I want to be that person. Come on. Lord, I want that in my life. And I reject the lies of the enemy. They're all lies. I mean, the Garden of Eden, the first lie. Had God said, yeah, he did say. He did say. He poured out his spirit on me. So I receive your love, your affection. I look at Fung Lei, this guy, drug dealer, messed up. Nobody believed that he would ever be a better person. And today he's leading dozens and dozens and dozens of men into faith in Christ. Father, we trust you. I think of Samuel and his marriage coming together. And 
all that. Everybody thought, man, that's broken up, that's dead, that's past. Father, you bring things back to life. I think of a guy named Ralph. Ralph invited my dad to church on a Sunday night and changed the history of our family. Lord, I want to be Ralph for somebody. I want to be that person that invites somebody. Lord, I want to be, I want to live a stronger life. I want to live a better life. Lord, I rebuke negativity of this world, the negativity that swirls around us. I rebuke the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody lift a hand up and just begin to say, I thank you, Lord, that I live in your promises. I thank you, God, that I don't live a small life. I thank you, God, that you're my father. I thank you that you're generous. Come on. I thank you that you're generous. I thank you that you love me with a passion. 